0: Welcome to the My Opinion Podcast, a show that focuses on leadership, life, and love to empower women around the world to be the best versions of themselves. The My Opinion Podcast is a weekly show with Maya's Motivation Monday, focusing on leadership topics for women and special edition episodes that feature guest interviews and current events. Now, all in her opinion, here is your host, Maya Roffler. today I have
1: the
2: awesome brandy bernowski. Brandy, welcome so much to the show. How are you Thank today?
1: you. I'm doing great and just thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to chat with you.
2: Yeah, we're excited to have you here. And so I want to kick off like how I always do and tell us a little bit about your background. I loved reading your bio. You've done so much. Tell us about your background.
1: Yeah. So I, my company Alchemy and AIM is a website development agency. Um, I was originally a freelance developer myself. And the way I actually got into freelance developing was through blogging. So um, back in probably 2007, um, I had a couple of friends started that they told me about this thing called blogging and that I should do it. And I figured why not? um, And I started I started a website at the time that was like a theme I bought off of somewhere and a friend emailed me after a few posts and he's like, you need an RSS feed. I can't be expected to go to your website and just know when you post something new. So then I Googled RSS feed and started to really learn about the world of blogging. And I had a background in physics and math Um, I also have degrees in theaters and philosophy and religion as well. So I've got this really kind of diverse background and was able to pull some of the skills that I had learned um, predominantly in, in physics, actually, we, you learn a little bit of code um, when you're in physics and um, started applying that to actually my site. So really just started blogging. Suddenly these strangers were reading my blog. I was actually, I moved to San Diego for grad school and the first or second year I was there, I got voted one of the top five blogs in San Diego, which was just a treat. And inevitably, when you are doing things yourself and friends ask you how that happened, you know they start to take notice. And a lot of friends started just kind of coming to me and asking me for website help. And that's really how I got started on the path to actually becoming a developer. I did not expect to become a business owner. That was kind of like the curveball, like Really, the best curveball that happened to me, Um, but yeah, it's kind of a, a unexpected journey to where I am now.
2: I love that. I love, and I love the little tidbit you already gave us about the code and how you started to learn the code, like coding. That's so fascinating. I would never have guessed that. Congratulations on the success of the blog. Like so fast. Like that's crazy. Yeah. And yeah, it's interesting, you know, obviously I have a podcast, so people are like, what's an RSS feed and like, yes. why is that important? So um, yeah, I mean, I teach podcasting too, um, le- a little less now. And that's a question I get all the time. It's very confusing to people like what an RSS feed is and, you know, putting your, your blog out there, putting your podcast out there, like that's how you, you know, distribute things. That's how people find out about it. So, you know, putting something out into the world is great, but, you know, they have to be able to find you. So I love that you mentioned that. So what were you blogging about? What did you begin talking about?
1: Uh, I mean, honestly, I can't even tell you what the early blog posts were about. I was kind of, I was kind of trying to use my blog as a way to flirt with a coworker. Stop Um, it. I love this story. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) To be honest, it did not work um but i thought i was very witty and charming in my writing i don't know if he actually ever read it is the reality but oh
2: my god i love this that i did so have funny.
1: friends who started to read it and i was really just you know blogging about lifestyle stuff so like if i found something interesting online anything from you know great photos of interiors to really cool looking business cards to you know a trip i wanted to take like it was just kind of my my home for all of that cool stuff that I found. And I was really, I think at one point, particularly in grad school, I think I was posting like twice a day just because wow. it was that creative outlet that I, I needed. Um, yeah. And it just really, it really fueled me. So yeah.
2: and it took off. So and it took off. So yeah. So your friends started asking you about it and this developed into a business for you. So talk us through like the evolution of the business and how that happened for you.
1: So it was slow at first. You know, mm-hmm. usually when friends start coming to you, you know, it's kind of like the side gig of what totally. you're doing. Um so I left grad school after about 2 years there and it was right around that time that friends started like, "Hey, I need help transferring. Hey, I need help with this whatever it was." Um and I got a job for a nonprofit in in the Washington DC area. That was my day job and again just on the side was just supporting other friends who needed more help. Um, That eventually became building websites. And then I had a designer reach out to me for actually for me to build several themes for her. And I mean, you know, I probably, I I always say like, I I often know like 80 to 90%. And then I figure out that other 10 to 20% as I'm doing the thing. Like that's always just been my philosophy. Like if I know how to do most of it, that's a good start. So um, realized I eventually had enough work coming in that I could be a freelancer. And really, I quit my job. Like it, it was scary and it was so necessary and everyone thought I was crazy, but literally within a year I had doubled my income.
2: I love it. I love this story. And I can relate to you a lot on this as well, because I started this podcast, like, and people were like, okay, like, what is she going to do with this? And it's evolved and it's changed. And it's so different than what it was before, but it's now my passion talking to women like you and, you know, women that I love are listening to it. Right. And hopefully getting inspired by it. And now I have a business based all around it. I have clients based around it and even corporate and nonprofit. But if you had asked me years ago, I'd be like, no way, I'm not going to have a consulting business. No way this isn't going to happen. So I really relate to your story and that's really, really, really cool. So congratulations. But Mm -hmm. I also, I I relate to what you're saying too, is like, you know, you were saying 80% of it or 70% of it or whatever you can know and then figure out. Have you ever re- read the book, Everything is outable or something like that? Yes, by yes.
1: Marie Forleo. Yes,
2: I love that book. And it's interesting because a couple different women that have been on the show uh, bring that up. And I really believe in that philosophy too. So I think that's great advice. Like if you don't have to know it all to, to take that leap and to try it out. So I think that's really great. Um, so I think something that we all struggle with, and I'm raising my hand here yes. when we go out into business Is our website? Yep. (laughs) Oh my God, that intimidated the hell out of me when I was, you know, first getting out, and it still does sometimes. But I feel very proud of myself and how far I've come and what I can do on my site. I still need help at times, but like, tell us, like, give us some advice here. What going out? And I mean, you've come a long way. This is what you talk about. Tell us what we what we can do. Like someone starting out with a website, fill us in.
1: So I always tell people when they're starting out, start out simple. Don't think you need a 15-page website with all the integrations and you know flashy, you know shiny things that other websites have. Like you can really create just a one-page site that gives people basic information about you. Um, oftentimes, when I have clients come to me and they're they want to create a website, my first question is, tell me about the clients you've worked with. And if they haven't worked with any clients. I tell them to go out and get clients first because your website really is this kind of point of connection between you and your potential clients. And if you've never worked with any of them before, you're not going to know how to talk to them. That's just a reality. You're not going to really understand their struggles. You'll have a sense of what you're offering, but you may not have that full sense of like what their problems are and who they are and the language that they use to describe their problems. That's actually really, really, really critical. So, you know, get clients first is always a good move and then also keep it really, really simple. And you can always add on to that. You can always evolve it. And and just, in fact, consider it a constant evolution. Like, you know, this I'm, I'm sure like our businesses or our jobs are constant evolutions. Like we want to be growing, like things are changing. The world changes around us. And forces us into different situations. So don't ever expect to just build something and be done with it. You're gonna have to go there and revisit it and say, does it still serve me? Is it still working? Do I need to tweak this language? Do I need to, sh- you know, shift this photo? If you got a wild haircut and dyed your hair blue or something like that, mm-hmm. um, just know that it is an evolution. And yes, yeah, start absolutely simply. Don't try to put too much into it. Um, but then, when you are ready to kind of take it to the next level, get expert advice does not mean that you have to pay you know tens of thousands of dollars for a website, but make sure you have someone that you can work with, consult with that can support you in making the, the right choices for the site overall. And then like the thing that I also like to tell people even once they have a big site is make sure you're actually talking to your ideal client. Our natural tendency is to talk about ourselves you know, hi, my name is Brandy and I'm a website developer turned agency owner because that's what happens. And here's how I'm so awesome. Like that's what we naturally do, but it's actually not what draws people to us. What's so much more interesting is a conversation. Like if you want to find a website, you know, if you want to build a website you love, here's, here's where you start. And like, you start talking to them based upon the problem that they have not based upon how awesome you are or the solution to anything. And I think that, you know, we talk about that on the website and the entrepreneurial side, but I think that goes for everyone in corporate too. Like when you are pitching people, whether it's in a cover letter, letter for a job, or if it's in a proposal for, um, You know something. You know within the organization, like you want to lead with what the problem is and what they're how they're feeling about the problem and what the proposed solution is, and then introduce yourself and your expertise and why you're the person to potentially you know help bring the solution to light or get the job or whatever it is. Yeah, we we just so often tend to like naturally focus on who we are as opposed to like how we can help and what that looks like.
2: Yeah. Oh, I love that so much, Brandy. Yeah, I I agree with you. I see that a lot too. And it's a mistake. I've made that mistake. I'm sure you've made that mistake. We've all made those mistakes. And I come from a, a leadership background, but a sales background. And that was something that I had to learn and like lean into, like people don't really care who you are until they care who you are. Right. Yeah. It's like, they first want to know like, well, how can you help me or how can you help solve this problem? Or how can you help my company? So, yeah, I think, that, I think you're right. It, it translates into corporate or whether you're starting your own company or you have your own company and you're just trying to improve. You really want to see how you can help people. I think that's really great advice. And I, want to go back to what you were talking about with the website, you know, I think that's what intimidates people as well. They're like, I have to have a website before I can have a client. Mm. I know so many people that have had clients and have had fabulous years. And they're like, oh, I don't have a website yet. Yeah. And I have other people that are like, wait, how are they doing that? How is that possible? And I'm like, because they're figuring out what's going to work for them before You know, they've built a relationship, but they've also figured out what the problem is for that person. And that person's like, cool, if you can help me, I'm going to work with you. So I agree with you. I don't think you really need a website right away until you figure out what problem you're solving and how you're going to speak to that audience. Because knowing your audience is key in anything that you do. Like, Yeah. (laughs) yeah. Definitely. Um, yeah, that's great advice. And I, I think um, when you are trying to do like 15 different pages on your website, you know, my website has completely evolved as well. You know, it first started as just a landing page for my podcast. Now there's different pages for my business, you know, yeah. and now I'm creating a second web page because I'm like, okay, they probably need to be a little bit separate. Because to your point, one talks about me because it's about the podcast. That's totally different. One needs to talk about the solution that I help with. So, This is really great information. I'm like, okay, great. Thanks, Brandy. I am on the the right page here or the right, you Mm -hmm. know, path. So yeah, that's great, great, great advice. So you were talking about this a little bit already, and this is a great thing to talk about when you're doing your resume or when you're doing a cover letter or before we dive into that, I want to ask you a question because I hear this a lot with um, women that I work with in corporate and questions about applying for jobs and things like that. I'm not like a I used to be in recruiting fun fact a while ago. Wasn't my cup of tea, but I like being the boss a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Anyway. Um, but, you know, is the cover
1: letter still a thing or
2: not? I want to hear your opinion. That's what this show is
1: about. So I will tell you kind of my personal philosophy on this when I'm hiring for our team. So we've got a team of 15 people now. We're actually in the process of hiring two new positions. And is the cover letter essential? It depends. One of the things that I look for um, in, that we put into our job descriptions is I want you to answer four to five questions. That is what I want in the cover letter. If people don't answer those four to five questions, I actually don't even look at their resume. I don't I if you cannot follow the simple direction of please, you know, respond to these four to five questions, mm-hmm. we have no hope. If <laughs> if there aren't <laughs> questions, I don't I think then a cover letter just can go that extra mile. And I don't think it needs again, this is where I feel like there's so much that people end up reiterating in a cover letter where I'm like why are you just you know, writing your resume in paragraph format to me. Like I can see that in the resume, but I think it's really important to let employers know why you're interested in that role with their company. And you have to have a good answer for those two questions. I I will say, I'll, I'll give kind of another piece of information away. Anytime we ask people, why are you interested in this role with our company? And their answer is because it's remote, we're done. Like, I I don't want to work with people just because they want a remote job. I want them to work with us because there's something about the role that's particularly appealing to them and something about our company and our culture that's particularly appealing to them. So you have to do that homework and you can't just like splatter out, you know, resumes and covers, letters, letters everywhere. Like take the time with that cover letter to actually do homework about that company and like. Show them why you're a good fit. And that's what I'm looking for when I ask those questions. I'm actually looking for people who are going to take the time, follow the directions, and show me that they're a good fit. So I don't think that the cover letter is dead. I actually think that that kind of first piece of interaction that's not the resume is actually pretty important. Um, It shows me a lot of the soft skills that someone has. And I can teach the hard skills. You know, like I can, I can train them to be a project manager or I can, you know, bring them up and, and find the genius in what they do to actually even create a new role for them. But if there's no personality and the soft skills aren't there and I, all I have is a resume, like I don't have enough to judge someone on.
2: I love that. You just nailed that. <laughs> Brandy, that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Because, and I would even venture to say like the cover letter has Evolved, right we yes. need more meat we need more you know definition of who you are as a person you got this is your moment to shine and stand out and I think you defined that very well and that's great advice for you guys listening so yeah. <laughs> there you go take that and run with it but it's kind of what we were saying about the website too show like what you're interested in like stop mm-hmm. talking about yourself that's not really about you so much it's a way for your personality to shine sure but like Why do you want to be a part of the organization? Why do you think this job is exciting? That's a way for you to explain those things instead of just being like, well, I've done this before and I've done that before. Like your resume shows that, right? And yep. I agree with you too, Brandy. Like, I think that, you know, I would rather hire somebody that's like, I absolutely love my opinion. I think I love leadership. Like, yep. I really want to help you grow your podcast or I really want to do your admin duties because I'm more organized. I promise you, I can help you with this and this and this. And I know all these, I'd be like, Okay, but I've never done that before. I'd rather hire that person than the person that comes in and says, I've been a VA for 20 years, blah, 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 blah. I'd be be like, no, I'm going with this one. Thank you so much. Because I can teach you how to reply to an email and scheduling and all of that. The hard, hard skills to your point but I can't teach you to be passionate. I can't teach you to love my mission and what I'm doing. And so I think that's really great advice. And I think that's really important um, that we think about that when we're doing our cover letter or our initial interaction. And I think you're super nice because not everybody gives those prompting questions, Brandy.
1: Yeah, no, no, not everyone does, but that's actually been one of those like key tricks that I've used um, is is giving those questions and then seeing if people respond to them. If people don't respond, like I said, they their application gets deleted automatically. I I want to know that someone is going to take the time and care and attention enough to do those. And, and they're not like, I'm not asking for essays. You know, they're often very, very simple. It's like a paragraph at the most, in order to properly respond, but it also shows me. I do ask leading questions that allow me to really kind of get to see their personality and who are, who are they? What are they excited about?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I I get that. And I I love that too. Cause you want to see if they're going to fit in your team. Your team has grown so much. You have a team of 15. Congratulations on that as well. That's amazing. Like, that's so cool, but you want to see if they fit, right? Cause you have an ecosystem, a culture, right? So how do you feel about building culture? Because is your team, it's all remote, right? You mentioned it's all remote. So
1: has it always been remote or did the pandemic affect that? No, we've always been remote. And part of that, I set it up that way simply because I knew that I would never quite stay in one place for very long. So because I didn't know where I was going to be, it it didn't um, really create any tension in hiring people in other locations. And it's actually worked out really well because several of our team members have moved multiple times since they started working with us. And I mean, that's just kind of like one of the joys of having a remote job is that it doesn't restrict you to where you can live. Yeah. Um, So it's always been like that. We actually do have a very familial feel to the team. And we just kind of do that through regular, like non-project meetings. So we have a best practices meeting every other Wednesday where any available team members just get together and they talk about like, what they're proud of, you know, that they're working on right now, where their challenges have been. Sometimes I will bring particular problems that like I need to get kind of the hive mind on to solve. Um, And we just, you know, we reach out to each other Mm -hmm. and I have done a lot to really encourage that within the team. We do team trainings as well. So I've just constantly been looking for opportunities to get team members to connect and talk to each other and work together and interact in really, really good ways.
2: I love that. That's something I talk about a lot on this show too. So I love that your team, I didn't know that going into this. So what a nice surprise. I didn't know your team was completely remote. And it's something I talk about all the time on my um, Monday motivation because I led teams for over 10 years remotely before it was like a thing, you know, everyone's Mm -hmm. because of the pandemic. So I find a lot of my listeners tuning in because of that. So it's great when I have a guest on that has done it successfully. So You know, I love the tips that you shared about how to keep that connectivity and that culture, because I find that a lot of leaders, I'm sure you've you've run into this and heard this as well over the past year have really struggled with this because, you know, going into an office, maybe not every day, but for the most part, you know, they can build a culture that they can touch and feel, and they knew how to do it that way, but remotely they struggled. It was like coming to a halt and they were like, oh my God, how do I do this? But I never really struggled with it. You know, some people were a little more challenged than others on my team. But building that sense of connectivity, consistency, a place of coming together. And then you mentioned this as well as as the leader, encouraging your team to build relationships amongst themselves. Like you don't have to be the one instituting it all the time. You just encourage it. And I, you know, I find some leaders that I've been around, you know, they are like, oh, I I don't want that. I'm like, well, then you have a bad culture and I don't even want to know about that. Right. So I think um, that advice is really key to anyone out there that's struggling with that um, aspect of remote leadership.
1: Yeah. And we do, we use a lot of Slack and we have a lot of, um, we have a lot of Slack channels that have nothing to do with the work that we do. So we have a parenting channel for people who are parents. Um, team members will sometimes share trips from vacations they're on. I really always love Halloween because then I get all the cute, you know, photos of kids and costumes, um, podcasts, TV shows, like they really just share what's going on with them and what they're interested in. And that kind of allows us to be whole people with each other, not just like workers with each other.
2: Which is huge. and makes you love what you do, like in in a holistic way to your point. I love that. I absolutely love that. So I want to go back a little bit too to what you were talking about with your team, and Mm -hmm. we were we were going to talk about this. So bringing on somebody, we were mentioning it a little bit already, who has the soft skills but might not have the hard skills, and you would bring them on and develop them. And you've mentioned that um, you know as we were talking before that you're open to that and you, you've done that and you would rather do that. Tell me a little bit about that in your leadership style, because that's your style.
1: Yeah, it is. So I've kind of always just, I think this comes from my backgrounds too. of just looked into people for what else they have to offer. So there's, you know, there's what they may be coming on for. A great example of this is last year I hired a virtual assistant to help me with some things. And you know, she adver- advertised herself that way and she had very good skills around it and had taken a course around being a you know virtual assistant. But as I got to know her better, I'd suddenly discovered that she had a background in human resources and she has now, she still does a little like VA stuff for me, but she has now really stepped into kind of like a role in our company that's more um, HR. So she does all of our first interviews and does a lot of the human resources stuff but she's also stepped in as our uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion specialist and our accessibility specialist. And she's so passionate about these topics. And I, I it was one of those things that they, they were ideas that I had that I simply did not have the time to execute. So finding someone who was as passionate about them as I was, but who had the availability just allowed me to kind of like cultivate her up into the role. And Yeah. I mean, there's still details about her role that we're figuring out a little bit as we go along. And then I'm providing training on where training is necessary, but it's so, for me, I always just think it's so much fun when you can kind of like look into people for what else they have to offer, because that actually makes your organization and your company so much stronger than if you were just hiring them for the, you know, hiring them and letting them do just the role that they were hired for.
2: I agree. Oh my gosh. That's so exciting for her. Wow. I love that. That's really, really cool. Yeah. And I mean, it helps. Yeah. To your point, helps the organization grow, helps you evolve, takes things off your plate. (laughs) So there's a lot of things that can happen. And, you know, you were mentioning this as well, when you allow people to do the things that they love, then they grow as well, which really just, again, changes everything. If you kind of just keep them pigeonholed, they're not going to want to stay with you either. I think it builds a sense of, you know, um, loyalty to you and, and, you know, it builds a really positive
1: culture. Yes, it does. Yeah. A lot of
2: fun. Yeah. Yeah. So what advice would you give leaders out there? Because I think sometimes it happens that we do this, right? We we hire people for the position and we might not be tuning into what their passions are because they might not want to just be a VA, right? They might mm-hmm. want to do more. And some people do, right? They're busy with their family, things like that. That's what they love to do. And they want to do that. Or someone comes in and is doing accounting, but maybe they want to do something a little bit more, right? So how do we tap in and find out about that. How do we get that connectivity or that deeper connection and really tune into that? Because as a CEO an owner or whatever your role is in the company and higher leadership, sometimes we drop the ball with that. So how yeah. do we take that time with so much responsibility? I mean, you have fifteen people on your team, right? Yeah. And so you know, some of our leaders have more, some have less. But you know what? You're running a business. You you you're like running crazy, right? Especially during this time. So. How do, you, how do you build that time in to find out that information?
1: So there's two things that we do. One is I have a great business manager who kind of has smaller meetings with our team members on a regular basis. But then I also have a te- like I have an individual meeting with every team member in June and in December. And I kind of prep this document for them to fill out in advance. And it's, I'm like, I don't like doing performance reports. I always hated when I'd have to go in and like have a performance report done. And during my days in, you know, corporate work, um, it just seemed odd to me. I'd rather them tell me what's working, what's not working. You know, people know when something's going right and when something's not going well, and it's, it's easier to self-report than if I'm trying to like deliver my judgment upon them. So, really, that's what I do: is I prep a document with a bunch of different questions to just get out, get at the heart of what's going well, what's not working for you. Um, What do you think you need to improve upon? Where do you need support in that improvement? What skills do you want to develop, you know, in the next six months that we can support you with? Um, How do you see things shifting and evolving and changing for you? You know, and then personally, is there anything going on? So I just like, I like asking deep, meaningful questions about people of people and really just taking the time to get to know their perception of, of me as a leader and as the company as a whole and their role and kind of like letting them run their show. And that really tends to bring up everything I need to know about what's happening. Um, and they do, they, they do self-report on stuff that's not going well. And then they also create potential solutions to those things that aren't going well, which takes some something else off my plate. Cause then I don't have to solve the problem.
2: Well, yeah. And you're empowering them to do that, which is great. And you're creating a
1: safe place
2: for them to come to you and say, Okay, this isn't going right or this is going really great or Exactly. You know, and I think that is the leader's responsibility in my opinion completely because if you're not creating that safe space or you're not communicating to them and saying, "Look, I'm cool with you telling me if I'm not doing something right or mm-hmm. if there's a lack here, but it has to start with you." So I love that you shared that because I talk about that on my my Monday motivation, you know, epic episodes where I talk about all my fails in corporate America and antics, but it, it starts with you. It really does. Because if you start from a closed off, you know, place and they don't feel like it's a safe pa- like, place to come to, it's not going to happen. So kudos to you. That's really awesome, Brandy. I, I love you. this advice. This is great advice. So yeah. before we close out, what is there some last pieces of advice or tidbits you'd give to the ladies and some of the guys that listen to the show too?
1: I mean, it's what I said earlier, just just know it's all an evolution. So, you know, if you have this ideal of this place you're trying to reach, know that you'll reach that place and then you'll see beyond it as well. Like, you know, I I always like to think about um, the way I used to be when I was younger and I was a total perfectionist. And then I started a business and I realized it's not about perfection. It's about excellence because perfection is getting to a place and like rigidly adhering to being there where like excellence is like, what other, what other things come into being? Like what other opportunities? So really just embracing the evolution of it all and knowing that, I mean, how many of us have like laid out plans for the next three years that have gone exactly the way that we expected it. It just, there's too much happening and too many things coming into our field of vision. So I really just really encourage people to like embrace that philosophy of evolution rather than like trying to get to a particular point and like forcing your way there.
2: I think that is invaluable advice. I think that's great. And I'm a recovering perfectionist. I like to say that all the time. So I love that. And I'm gonna take that advice with me today. That's perfect. (laughs) Thank you so much, Brandy. So tell us um, who do you typically work with and where can they find you? Where where can they work with you? I'll put it all in the show notes as well, but yeah, tell us where we can find
1: you and, and work with you. So we work with a lot of entrepreneurs, but companies as well, like we don't have really a niche in our industry. We just really love working with people who are passionate about what they do and bring some good to this world in any way, shape or form. Um, And they can, anyone can go to our website, alchemyandaim.com. If you head to the contact page and fill out the form that actually comes to me, unless I'm on a vacation or something like that. Haven't had one of those in the last year, but we're getting there again. Um, but yeah, fill out that form if you, you know, you're interested in working with me or just even interested in talking. I do a lot of strategy in addition to to website stuff as well, just because I want to make sure people get where they need to go and are guided in that way. That's amazing.
2: And yeah, and I can tell that too, because you're so passionate about
0: it. Thank you so much for joining again, Brandy. This has been awesome. Thanks for having me, Maya. Awesome. Thank you so much for listening to the My Opinion Podcast. You can catch up on past episodes on the My Opinion Podcast website at www.myopinionpodcast.com as well as read the My Opinion blog and contact Maya directly with your questions. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at My Opinion Podcast and Maya Roffler. We'll see you back here next week.